Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're diving into the history of the Patriot Movement here in Arizona. We'll break down how the movement started and its impacts in local policy and how its rise is changing the Republican Party. Investigative reporters Richard Ruelas and Rob O'Dell looked into the group for six months. Give us a bit of background of how you began reporting on this group. We reviewed thousands of posts, comments, and photos and videos from an invitation-only Facebook page where uh, as many as 1,400 members of the Patriot Movement developed their beliefs and planned their activities over more than two years. Um, A lot of their postings contained Islamophobic and racist rhetoric, and followers uh, fell deeply into uh, conspiracy theories and traded in false information. Um, We've seen members of the Patriot Movement protest Democratic candidates and local city council meetings for a while now. How did this group get its start? The Patriot Movement kind of comes out of the rubble of what was the Tea Party, and the the Tea Party kind of disintegrated after Ted Cruz drops out of the presidential race. And the Patriot Movement essentially took what's always been a right wing of the Republican Party, but it's now a right wing of the Republican Party that really liked Donald Trump. And so when he became president, this group really followed along and got power. A lot of people know about the Patriot Movement through uh, Patriot Movement Arizona. This group started by Lisa Antone and Jennifer Harrison, who did some very public actions. And they got a lot of attention with some of their more provocative videos, going to events where they knew uh, liberals would be. Democrats would be, and essentially, uh, with their megaphones and cell phones, shouting them down. Uh, And those videos ended up getting a lot of attention for this movement. So give us a sense of of what you uncovered. What are some of the main issues that the group really kind of follows and promotes, Rob? Well, one of the main uh, things that they that that uh, animates the group is they have this belief that um, Muslims are going to instill Sharia law in the country. And uh, a, a lot of their uh, focus is against Muslims and other immigrants. Um, they're particularly animated by events uh, that involving this, including uh, when there was the caravans through Mexico. You know, there, you'd see a lot of comments, keep these savages out drop bombs on them, napalm them, like really kind of uh, sort of heinous things that they were saying out of sight. Um, and, and the same thing about Muslims, crude crude insults about Muslims uh, up and down. Uh, and then they also fell into uh, the, you know, what you, the movement called Q, QAnon, which uh, has become popular, you know, uh, which has risen in popularity, the false conspiracy theory, I might say, QAnon, um, which has risen in po- popularity since it's taken hold on the right and since Trump has promoted it. Um, and and what QAnon calls for is for is they they believe that there's a they believe that there's a satanic cabal that runs the media and politicians and they prey on children and 
literally suck children's blood. Okay, so that's pretty outlandish stuff, it seems. Richard, how do they fall for this kind of stuff? Well, it turns out QAnon's theories are as far-fetched as they might sound, are not really novel. And Rob and I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of our own. And we found a an author in Eager, Arizona, who wrote a book called Behold a Pale Horse. And in that book, he had included theories that date back to uh, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, this anti-Semitic fictional uh, text that makes some of the same outlandish theories about uh, blood libel and and children being sacrificed by a powerful cabal. So Bill Cooper had a shortwave radio show and sort of trafficked in these theories that made people believe there was a global cabal out to get them. Uh, Bill Cooper ended up being killed uh, by authorities in Arizona in 2001. I mean, I was here. It was a front page story. I don't think, though, we realized how big a deal William Cooper was. That book got passed around in prisons, uh, in Attica and Sing Sing. Uh, old Dirty Bastard <laughs> was seen reading it by uh, by an author of Cooper's biography outside his uh, Brooklyn stoop. Bill Cooper and Pale Horse are referenced in hip hop songs. Uh, so Although QAnon is a new conspiracy theory, the theories in it uh, date back for centuries. So, Rob, how has this movement impacted local policy here? The Patriot movement began as a fringe of the Republican Party, um, but over time it's been able to uh, sort of uh, assimilate itself into the party and push the party on specific issues. Uh, two years ago, um, in the Facebook group, the Patriot Movement uh, really had a big discussion about comprehensive sex education and how really what it was was grooming kids to be uh, sexually assaulted by adults and grooming kids to be gay and transgender. And uh, and then all of a sudden, several years later, you see mainstream Republicans making the same argument. And so what we found is that... W- their ideas on this on this Facebook page have been able to influence uh, Republican policy. Members of the group formed Purple for Parents, which is which was a count which is a counter group to the Red for Ed movement, and and that group has also uh, made noise statewide. Yeah, and as we saw, as you may have noticed, we're in a pandemic, and as we saw the the rallies to reopen the state at the state capitol. Uh, it's a lot of these people that we were seeing, this patriot movement, were, a lot of those same characters are the ones who are at the Capitol. So they're just using this to manipulate us, to put fear in the people of the United States. Inside the lobby of the executive tower, inside Ducey's lobby, uh, putting pressure on him to reopen the state. And the governor has said repeatedly that those protests did not affect his thinking, but uh, he opened the state a lot sooner than uh, than he expected to. He seemed to accelerate that timeline. And it seems like a lot of these people have also, once we found out who were, who was in the group, uh, we started seeing that a lot of them have climbed into the official uh, operation of the Republican Party. There's a fairly low-level position called precinct committeeman, and it's essentially the ground game. Uh, you host... Uh, 
you host signature gathering parties at your house or host debates for legislative candidates. Uh, it's just a ground game to get people in your neighborhood involved in politics. And a lot of patriots have become precinct committee people seemingly with the aim, not just of running the ground game, but of changing the direction of the Republican Party. So some of these people are folks that high-profile Republican officials like Ducey, the late Senator John McCain, the former Senator Jeff Flake have really had to contend with um, maybe at a less organized level uh, in past elections. Why is this so relevant as we head towards the November third election this this year? Well, one of the reasons it's so relevant is they've become a bigger force in the Republican Party. Uh, as the Republican Party has become smaller, um, you know, members, of the, they need this fringe group. They need this fringe group to vote for them um, because they're losing the suburban female voter. And in a lot of ways, uh, this the Patriot group is is their new voter that they're going after. Uh, many members of this Patriot group you know, were not politically engaged prior to President Trump. Um, for example, one of their leaders, Jennifer Harrison, was not registered to vote before she voted right before Trump before Trump was elected. Um, so they they uh, they're they're becoming a force. Yeah, this group is where the Republican Party is finding its energy. I mean, at uh, at the rally in February that Trump held, I mean, people waiting outside hours in line to get in. There's a lot of both Patriot uh, and QAnon supporters waiting in line. And you need that kind of feeling inside you in order to stick it out uh, that long. Uh, we even found a tie, uh, Bill Cooper, again, the author who was killed in 2001, the Pale Horse author, his right-hand man ran for Congress. He dropped out before the primary, but the threads of, of Cooper's legacy uh, still continued on through this cycle. And what, another reason for their rise is that we see Trump saying essentially the same things that they're saying on the Facebook group. So they form in response to Trump, but they become more influential within the party because Trump is essentially um, mouthing the same conspiracy theories or the same uh, rhetoric at, that's in this group. And it's 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 elevated them. I mean, one thing we don't know, and we'll leave it up to you two as the political experts, is what an effect they'll have. I mean, Daniel McCarthy ran against Martha McSally, essentially expecting the energy of the Patriot group to, to move him forward. And it didn't go as well, maybe, as he thought. Uh, so it's unclear what role they'll play uh, in this cycle. That's all pretty provocative stuff. Um, guys, what do you want the audience to take away from your stories? I think one, the influence that this group is having uh, on Republican, on the Republican Party and on uh, policy in the, you know, in the state as well, whether that be reopening for COVID or sex education. Um, and that two, uh, a lot of this group's ideas and thoughts spring from a darker place of Islamophobia, hatred towards migrants, um, hatred towards LGBTQ, transgender. Um, so I, I think those two things, uh, that the, they're, they're, they are, their influence is on the rise, but that influence starts and, and started from a 
pretty dark place. Yeah, there's a lot of things, uh, stories that we do uh, that seem benign. You know, Maricopa County passes a Second Amendment uh, Protection Act or something like that. You know, counties passing Second Amendment sanctuaries, or as Rob mentioned, the the drive towards fighting for sex education in in schools, or Kathy Hoffman somehow being uh, labeled mean things on social media. Well, a lot of that emanates from the thoughts that we saw within this group. And again, it's 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 to emphasize again that we're a long way away from that party uh, of John McCain and Jeff Flake. Robin Richard, thanks so much for coming on to today's show. Really important uh, reporting, and I hope our listeners will take a, a deep dive into it. You can find their stories on azcentral.com. For anyone who's interested in following your work, where can they find you on Twitter? I'm at, at Relis Writings, R-U-E-L-A-S Writings. And I'm at Rob Odell AZ. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Some really interesting uh, reporting from this series. And again, it is worth everyone who wants to understand Arizona politics and more specifically the kind of the state of the Republican Party, whose factions we have been talking a lot about for uh, many years. Um, you, you really need to, to check these stories out. I think what's going to be really interesting to watch, particularly in the coming years, is whether or not there is some sort of reset within the state Republican Party. And this is something that we've talked a bit about on this show, but it seems to me that, you know, Flake and McCain, both in their own ways, tried to wrangle these PCs, try to get the state party under control and to try to get them into a more mainstream, moderate direction. And clearly, since McCain's death in 2018, uh, the party, for all intents and purposes, um, has been taken over by the grassroots folks. And not all of them um, are associated with the type of reporting that uh, Richard and Rob um, delved into, but clearly this is the direction, um, that it's opened its doors to. So Ron, do you have a sense of what direction this party ends up taking long-term after the November elections? I think that's going to be the, the million dollar question for everybody. If Republicans lose the elections in Arizona from the presidency to the Senate, to the state house, uh, possibly another congressional seat. Uh, there's going to be a, a moment of reflection and a fork in the road for the party's future. Um, and as part of that, they have to decide whether the future belongs to this faction within the party that has had sort of outsized influence. And these are not conservatives. These are conspiratorial radicals. And they have had, uh, as Rob and Richard have detailed now, um, sort of a bigger seat at the table than people might expect. And the other segment of the party, sort of more of that Ducey, McCain, classic uh, establishment Republican part, um, how prominently they shape the party's future is also going to be on the line. 
And it's clear from what we've seen, for example, with Daniel McCarthy, even this year in the Republican primary, that there's still a significant appetite for people to veer even harder to the right than what we have seen uh, as part of sort of mainstream Republican politics and in, in whatever that looks like in 2020. So it is going to be a big decision. And, you know, for the record, Democrats are going to have their own reckoning to do uh, after the elections. If things don't go well for them, they will have to sort out their own sort of internecine battles between the liberal wing of the party and, and people who are trying to be pragmatic. But for the moment, anyway, it doesn't seem to include this part uh, of the public that really is um, invested pretty heavily in some pretty seriously uh, controversial and even dangerous ideas. All right. Well, that's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend or two or three. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.